Alright, take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. If you haven't noticed, uh, we have uh, been in, in the Gospel of John the last few weeks, and probably will be for the next few weeks, so if you think about it in your regular Bible reading, maybe start reading through the Gospel of John and looking at that, there's so much great things there. Turn to John chapter 3 though. John chapter 3. And in verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be what? Born again. Say it with me. Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Remember, we talked about two weeks ago that the Gospel of John, John said specifically that his Gospel was written that we might believe, and that believing we might have eternal life. To me, I think it is helpful that the Bible is written in many instances in a narrative form. Not only just facts and truth uh, statements, but it is written in such a way that we can see the fact and truth in context of life. Would you agree with that? That you can understand as we read the Gospel and Jesus' interaction with other people that we can even see ourselves in those people. We can see ourselves, I believe, in Nicodemus. The Bible says, and Jesus said, that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save not only those that society says was bad, were sinners, the publican and sinners, who Jesus Christ had no problem fellowshipping with and being with. But Jesus Christ also came to save that which society says was the best. See, everyone needs salvation. Everyone needs to be born again. Everyone needs this redemption that only Jesus Christ can give. Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. That means that Nicodemus was religious. And not just a little, not just that he dabbled in religion. I, I, I wish I could get the point across how religious Nicodemus was. He was the authority in religion. Okay? He was not just a Pharisee, which uh, first century historian Josephus said at that time there was only 6,000 Pharisees. So he was a member of an elite group of religious people, but not just 6,000. The Bible says that he was the ruler of the Jews, likely meaning that he was of the Sanhedrin, meaning 71 men that were made up of 
judges, lawyers, priests that knew the Jewish law inside and out. So not only was Nicodemus religious, Nicodemus was prestigious in the religion and the law of the Jews. And he comes to Jesus by night, which shows his humility. He comes to Jesus, him being one of these people that the Jewish people would look to to understand God, to understand righteousness, to understand all these things. He comes to Jesus and he says this to Jesus. He said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. And how did he know those things? How did Nicodemus know that Jesus was a teacher come from God? Because the miracles that Christ did. He said, the miracles that you do, he said, no one could do these unless they've come from God. We talked about that last week, that the miracles that Christ did at the wedding was to show that He was God. Jesus said to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see. You can't even see the kingdom of God, is what He says to Nicodemus. He says in the two verses after, you cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born again. When He talks about the kingdom of God, we see in, in the passage, uh, passages in Luke 7, 17 and verse 20, the Bible says this about the kingdom of God, so that we have an understanding of what Jesus is talking about. He said, and when he was uh, demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, the Pharisees are asking Jesus when it's going to come, he answered and said unto them, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, Neither shall they say, lo, here or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Paul says about the kingdom of God, he said, the kingdom of God is not in meat, meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom within the believer, within one that has accepted Jesus Christ. And it's interesting here that this religious ruler comes to Jesus by night inquiring about the kingdom of God and listen to what Jesus says to him. He doesn't even mention religion, does he? He doesn't even mention religion in this how to see the kingdom of God, how to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, he doesn't he, he says that there's basically one key, one key to entering into the kingdom of God and having eternal life, and that is by a new birth. You're born into this, born by a spiritual birth, being born again, not by education, or Nicodemus would have had it. Not by good works, not by position, not by your family, earthly birth, not by baptism, not by good works, but by being born again. We say born again in Christian culture a lot as if it's not a miracle. Think about it just for a second. To be born again is just as much a miracle as to be rose from the dead. I mean, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible without the power and, the, and, and God bringing new birth, being born of God, being spiritually born of God. This born again, I, 
I don't have a problem with saying that. You know, every now and again there's a new phrase or new catchphrase of people bring out in, in Christian culture and I got no problem with it like uh, what would Jesus do or something like that. No problem with it. But, but, but this being born again, this isn't just a catchy phrase that we use. This is what Jesus Christ said. This is a timeless, timeless truth that Jesus Christ said, listen, you must be born again. You must experience this spiritual birth, which its origin or its beginning is from God. It's heavenly. It's divine. This being born again, that phrase is actually three times in the scripture, born again. It's said twice by Jesus Christ and once by Peter. Jesus' answer, Jesus' answer for man's sin problem is what? Salvation. Being born again. Many people in the world today would have many different answers for the effects of sin. The effects of sin meaning man's fall, man has has, has fallen, therefore there are effects of sins. We see terrorism, right? We see human trafficking. We see crime. We see corruption. We see slavery. We see war. Listen, there's no question that there is a problem, right? There's, there's, there's sin. There's effects of sin. But, but listen, if we went around to many educated people, many people that have put a lot of thought to this, there would be a lot of different answers on how to solve that problem. Listen, there'd be people would say more education. If people were just smarter, they wouldn't do it. But I think history has proven that to not be true. Some of the most educated people in, in past societies were some of the most brutal and evil. Some say more government, more government. Some say less government, right? Some say more money. Some say, you know, more laws. You know, if we just had enough laws, people would stop doing bad things, right? There's all these different answers on what we would do to stop this problem, this fall of man, this sin problem. But Jesus says this, He says, Ye must be born again. He goes right to the heart of it. There is a spiritual birth that is supernatural, that is just a miracle. And we shouldn't say this born again in a nonchalant way. This is absolutely, for every every believer in this in this room and in this world, this is the most significant thing that's ever happened in their life. Right, amen. That's just, wow. And Jesus just lays it on Nicodemus here. This religious leader. He says, you must be born again, Nicodemus. Look what the Bible says. and just skip, We're going to skip around in this passage for a second in John chapter 3. Look what he says in verse 17. He says, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He said Jesus Christ came into this world to save the world, not to condemn it. Listen, for us as Christians, our calling in this world is not to condemn the world, is it? Our our calling is not to condemn the world, but our job as Christians is to point those that are condemned to a Savior. And I don't say that in a condescending way. Those that are condemned, we were all in the same boat, right? Without Jesus Christ, without salvation, we are all condemned. Whether we're a Nicodemus or we're a Zacchaeus, right? 
whether we're on either end of the spectrum, we're still in need of Jesus Christ. He says, verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh through the light, lest his deeds should be approved, reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they were wrought in God. Jesus says, listen, the evidence of Jesus Christ being the light of the world, coming into the world. We read this already in John chapter 1. And what happened? He came into His own, the Bible says, and what? His own received Him not. Listen, the light came into the world, but for whatever reason, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For whatever reason, so many don't want the light, don't want to come to the light. That's what Jesus explained uh, in Matthew chapter 7. He said this, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow the way that leadeth to light, and few there be that find it. It is by the grace of God that we experience the light, that we experience the light of Jesus Christ uh, illuminating our souls and showing us our way to salvation, showing us that way. But listen, if you're here this morning, it is so important that you enter in at the straight gate, that you come to Jesus Christ, that you come to the light, no matter matter if your heart is exposed, no matter if your deeds are exposed, Come to the light. Why? That's what Nicodemus was doing. It's interesting that this is the conversation that he's that Jesus is having, talking about men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and that they come to the light. That's what Nicodemus was doing. Think about it. Nicodemus had come to Jesus at night. Now, you can only assume that the reason why he came to Jesus is at night is because he didn't want to be seen. Right? He didn't want to be seen with Jesus. Although, later in in John, John, multiple places, John talks about Nicodemus. And and it seems, though, that Nicodemus did become a believer. The Bible tells us later that it was Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea that went and got the body of Jesus Christ and put the myrrh and put the aloe and put him in that new sepulcher. And so we find Nicodemus is one of those that did believe on Christ. But you know what Nicodemus had to overcome in order to believe on Christ? He had to overcome the peer pressure of of the other Pharisees. The Bible says in John chapter 12, in verse 42 and 43, the Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on Him. But... Because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him. Isn't that interesting? They believed. Isn't that what what, uh, uh, Nicodemus said? Hey, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. 
hey, there's some of us. We understand that, that you're of God, that you are uh, who you say you are. It says, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved, this is what the Bible says about the Pharisees. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Think about that. They loved their position. They loved their power. They loved people looking at them and saying, Oh, you, you have all this knowledge. You have all this power. They loved that more than they loved coming to the light. More than they love. Listen, we as, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we here this morning, you know what we should say in our heart? All of our preconceived ideas, everything that we have, our prejudices and all these sort of things, we ought to lay them aside and say, what does Jesus Christ say? What does the Bible say? I'm willing to have my mind changed and transformed according to the truth of God's Word. I'm not going to be stuck in, in, in this religion. I'm not going to be stuck in this way of thinking just because that's how it's always been. I'm willing to seek truth. I'm willing to seek what Jesus Christ says and come to the light. This is how Christ makes possible this new life in Christ, this wonderful life. Look at verse 13 of chapter 3. Verse 13 of, of chapter 3, the Bible says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, this is a... This is, Jesus is talking about what? When He says the Son of Man must be lifted up, He's talking about His crucifixion. He's talking about His death. I, I have to draw us back to this point that these are the first days of Jesus' ministry and just as He, on, the, on, on His first days and, and just into the next few days, He's constantly pointing to what? The reason why He came. His death. His death to pay for the sin debt of mankind for men and women. He says, listen, the Son of Man must be lifted up even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. This is an example that uh, Nicodemus would have understood pretty well. Nicodemus knew the Old Testament. Nicodemus knew the law of Moses and knew all the stories of the uh, history of Israel. And when Jesus said, listen, the Son of Man must be lifted up just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, what was the, what was the reason for the serpent being lifted up in the wilderness? The, the children of Israel, they were getting bitten by the serpents, they were diseased, they were dying, and what, what happened? When the, when the brazen serpent was lifted up and they were to look on that brazen serpent, they were healed, right? They were made clean. And so Jesus is telling Nicodemus, look at Jesus Christ came to be raised up like that brazen serpent, that when you look to Christ, that when you look to Him and receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the remedy for man's sin. This is the way to be set free. This is the way to have eternal life. Verse 15, He says, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16, probably one of the most uh, common known verses 
um, by, by, by folks, and it's such a good one to know. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, you say, how do I know? How do I know that I'm loved of God? How do I know that God loves me? Because He gave His best. Because He gave His Son. Because He came Himself to save us from our sin. Listen, that's what charity is, isn't it? It's love in action. Because He loved, what did He do? What did he, do? he gave. He didn't just love, but he, he, he loved so much that He gave. He made it possible that whosoever... Listen, the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, this good news of salvation is for, for who? It's for everyone. It's for whosoever. It's for anyone that will t- come to the light. It's to anyone that will turn to the light. For those that are on the other side of the world, in the mountains and in the jungles of Papua New Guinea... To those of us here in in Dayton, Ohio, it is for whosoever will turn to Christ, whosoever will come to Christ. This is the immeasurable love of God. That He, our God. See, we don't serve a God that didn't give to us first, that didn't make the way possible for us. He came and He gave. Listen, God, as a just God, requires... A payment for sin. God is a just and holy God requires a payment for sin. But God as a merciful God made the payment Himself. So He requires a payment. This blood sacrifice as we see through the Old Testament. He requires a payment because He's just and holy for sin. But then He says, but they can't make it themselves so out of His mercy and His love toward us. He came and made the payment for us. Look with me now at the last verse of chapter 3. He says in verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on Him. The, the most important question that we could ask ourselves this morning is, have we, the Son, have we been saved? Have we been born again? Listen, Nicodemus is a religious man. He truly believed in God. Would you agree? He believed that there was a God. He believed that there was a God that existed. But Jesus said, hey, there's more than just believing that there is a God. There's more than just believing that God exists. There is a spiritual birth that must take place. By accepting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. By being born again. I would say this morning, because of what Jesus said, that if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. You've never been born again. Jesus, in His own words, says this, you must be born again. You must be born again. And for us as Christians, for us as believers, listen, He says this, Look at verse 30. John talking about uh, uh, John the Baptist here, about Jesus Christ. He said, He must, what? Increase, but I must decrease. 
This is, the, this is the process of sanctification in our lives. Listen, when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are, we are born again. We're born new, just like the little baby in the back here. He has everything he needs to be completely human, right? Completely. But, but what? There's still some growth that needs to happen. Still some maturing that needs to happen. That's what happens to us in our Christian life is, listen, we're born again. We have everything we need in our spiritual life, don't we? We have the Spirit of God indwelling us. We have our whole uh, spiritual man, the inward man He gives us. But we have to choose to grow. We have to choose to come to full strength and, 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 and follow after God's Spirit. Look what He says. He must increase and we must decrease. This is the sign of spiritual maturity in our life. Are we willing to set ourselves aside? Are we willing to set uh, some of our own desires aside and seek after the Lord? You know what we all understand? It's truly we cannot satisfy ourselves in in and of ourselves. And truly we are set more, more satisfied and have more purpose in life as we put God first. We put Him first in our lives. We put His will in our life first over our own. Let me ask you this question. As we go into this new week, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, with this new life that He's given us, this wonderful life that He's given us through salvation, being born again, do we seek after Him? Do we desire after Him the sincere milk of the Word? that we may grow thereby. This next week, are we willing to put Christ first and allow Him to increase in our lives and allow our will and our our plans and our desires to decrease in our life? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to, like Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, would we seek an open door and an opportunity to tell someone the good news of Jesus Christ, the supernatural birth, to bring new life in Christ. Would God use us? Could He use us? I believe He would. You know, you know what? It's just kind of taking the verse out of context. But, if, but He says later, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto Myself. Would we take our lives and use our lives to lift up Christ, to point others to Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You this morning for salvation. Lord, we thank You for Your truth and how You put it so plain that we must be born again. Lord, if there's some here this morning that doesn't know You as their Lord and Savior, God, they've never experienced true salvation and been born again, I pray that, uh, that they would, that they would receive You and ask You to come into their heart, save their soul, forgive their sin, and be the Lord of their life. God, we're asking You Uh, to just lead us and guide us this week. Help us as believers, as followers of You, God, to uh, put You first, Lord, that You would increase in our life, and Lord, that we would decrease. Lord, help us to be true followers of You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.